This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Lord God, we thank you for for bringing us into your presence for worship. As we do so, we ask that you would lead us to see ourselves as we really are and to see you as you really are. Holy Spirit, meet us where we're at and transform our hearts and lives. We pray this in the powerful and saving name of Jesus. Amen. When was the last time you went to the doctor? Three months or or less ago? Maybe six months or less? A year or less? or, Or maybe more than a year? You know, when we go to the doctor, we want to hear good news, right? We want to hear that there's nothing wrong. But more important than even that, though, is we want an honest and accurate diagnosis. We don't want the doctor to tell us, oh, you're okay, when we're not. That'd be horrible. We want an open and honest, accurate diagnosis because if there's something wrong, that's the beginning of the healing process. So we have a chance to recover. Today, we're going to be looking at at Psalm 51. And in there, Psalm 51 is written by a guy named David, who's actually a a king of, of ancient Israel. David is richly, richly blessed by God. God says of David that David is a man after my own heart. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty cool, man. If God could say that about me, that was a man after his own heart, that'd be awesome. But it didn't stay that way for David. David had spiritual heart disease, and it was bad. Well, we can see examples of spiritual heart disease in David's life. For example, in this, David had a really good friend who was actually uh, like a captain in his military. And that really good friend was out fighting for David and and David's kingdom. And, And David saw that really good friend's wife, And David wanted his friend's wife. And not only did he want her, he took her. He committed adultery with her. But nobody knew. Friend was, was off in battle. Nobody knew. Except for David and his friend's wife named Bathsheba. Those were the only two, except for God, because God knows all things. Are, are you covering someone's eyes with fleece? <laughs> are you fleecing somebody? You know, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your children. 
Maybe it's a, a coworker, a, a neighbor, your spouse, your pastors. Well, hopefully you know by, by now from David's story already early on that there aren't any secrets. You may want it to be a secret, but God knows, and so it's not a secret. David's friend's wife, Bathsheba, she becomes pregnant through David. And so now David has got to come up with a scheme. He's got to find a way to keep his secret sin a secret. And so he goes, I know what I'll do. I'll reach out to my friend in battle. I'll send word orders that my friend is supposed to come back home. And then he'll spend time with his wife and, and then the baby will be born early, right? If anybody's keeping count, the baby will be born early, but that happens. And everybody will think that the baby says. And so that's what happens. He sends for his friend. His friend comes back. And, and as he's talking with David, his friend's like, no, I, I, I can't go home. I have fellow soldiers. I have friends who are fighting for you and, and for the kingdom. I, I can't do that. And so David's got to come up with another scheme. And David decides, oh, this is what I'll do. I'll, I'll write a note to the general that says, in effect, put my friend, although he's not going to call him his friend in the letter, but that's what's really going on. Put my friend in the front part of the battle. And when the fighting gets its fiercest, have everybody pull back from him. So he's the only one left there and he'll be killed. So that's what David does. He writes out that note, seals it, and hands it to his friend to take back to the general. And so his friend is actually carrying his own death certificate in his hand back to the battle. His friend gives the note to the general. The general reads it and follows the orders. And David's friend is killed, actually then murdered in battle. But nobody knows. Bathsheba doesn't know. Well, David and the general know. But they're the only two, except for God. He knows too. And you know what God does? God pursues after David. God hotly pursues after David. And you know why? Because he wanted to rescue David from his sins. All of his sins. And so God sent a, another one of David's friends to him, a prophet guy by the name of Nathan. And Nathan goes to David to confront him about his sin. And, and Nathan comes up with this really, really intriguing story that he tells David. He says, David, there's this really rich guy. This guy has everything in the world. He lacks nothing. And, and right next to this rich guy is, is a really poor guy, really only has a, you know, a couple of things, and, and that's it. And the rich guy, he has a friend come and visit him as his guest. 
And so when it's time to give food to his guest and things like that, take care of his guests, the rich man goes over to the poor man's house, takes everything from the poor man and brings it back to his house and lays it out before his guest. David can't believe it. He's going, who is this? Justice must be served. This guy is crazy. He should actually, justice says, this guy should die. And Nathan's like, yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. And and Nathan goes in, I knew that that's what you were going to say too. I knew that you would be on the same page. And David, you're the guy. And David is undone. He finds out that his secrets weren't secrets after all. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series, Summer Playlist, and we're looking at at Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 is David's confession of what we just talked about. And as we look at these words, what we're going to learn is what is confession really all about? Okay, so Psalm 51, after David's sin is revealed. He writes, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face for my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifice of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Did you see it? Did you see what confession was all about? David came clean. 
He didn't make excuses. He didn't say, well, look at her. She's beautiful. He didn't say, I know, but there's so much pressure being the king. I just needed an outlet. No, David didn't make any excuses. And he confesses what he calls transgressions. Now, transgressions is about one of the most churchy words I've ever heard. We got another one coming up in a minute, but the the only time that I think I've ever heard the word transgression is in church or in some theological setting. So what is a transgression? Well, have you ever gone on vacation? Uh, Maybe for a week or two or whatever, maybe even just a, a weekend stay and you forgot your phone charger at home? Or have you ever gone on that vacation or maybe just that weekend getaway and you left your phone charger in the hotel room? I hate that. That's not what a transgression is. Okay, That's forgetfulness. A transgression is knowing the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, and choosing the wrong and the evil. And that's what David did. And that's what David confessed. He said, I knew right and wrong. I knew good and evil. And I willfully, on purpose, chose the wrong and the evil. That's what David said. Have you ever done that? Me too. And David goes on and he confesses his iniquity. It's another one of those church words. (laughs) Uh, The word iniquity, what it really means is to have a twisted heart. Okay, going through life with a twisted heart. Imagine uh, a golfer out golfing and all of his or her clubs are twisted and trying to play. David said, my heart. Is twisted. We show that our, our heart is twisted when we try to find satisfaction in anything other than God. So for example, David wanted comfort, but he wasn't satisfied with God's comfort. His heart was twisted. David shows his heart was twisted in that he loved Bathsheba more than he loved God. Showed his heart was twisted when he came up with this plan for his friend to be murdered in battle. Our hearts are often twisted too. We can so easily be satisfied with fool's gold instead of the real thing. We can seek the approval of other people. It means so much to us that I get that approval of that person more so than the approval of God. We show that our hearts are, are twisted when we sin and, and when we call it, you know, it's our pet sin. 
like it's a, a lap dog or a soft kitty instead of a roaring lion that wants to rip our soul away from God. We show that our hearts are twisted by doing the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Showing up someplace, but we really don't want to be there. The right thing for the wrong reason. And David doesn't stop there. David confesses his sins. The word sin means to miss the mark. So David, by by having sex outside of marriage, showed that he missed the mark of God's design for the marriage relationship. David showed that he missed the mark on human life, knit together by God in the mom's womb, made in the image of God when he sent his friend off to be murdered. We miss the mark sometimes too. We share a little bit of information with someone, we gossip, and we miss the mark on protecting someone's name. We look around it and we say, everyone's doing it. And we miss the mark on self-control. We call lust, love, and we miss the mark on intimacy. We go out seeking after all of our wants and we miss the mark on providing for the needs of others. We lie to protect our name, our position, our reputation, our job, and we miss the mark on honesty. We see we're more advanced today. We've evolved. We understand things better than they did back in the old days, and so that's really not a sin. And we miss the mark on God's holiness. The doctor's report for David and for us is the same. Spiritual heart disease. So what is confession really all about? The the first part is about being honest about ourselves. Not covering up, being honest about ourselves. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Too many people do, too many Christians do, and they end up hating themselves. Don't stop there. There's more to confession. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. It's actually how David begins this confession. God, I'm coming to you on the basis of your character, on the basis of who you are, your unfailing love. 
That word for Hebrew, in Hebrew for unfailing love is really hard for us to translate just because it's so majestic. It's so glorious. It's, it's so way over the top. And, and so we say un, unfailing love, promised love, unbreakable love, love that can't be broken, reckless love, covenant love, even though I did this love. Even though I didn't do that love, it's a a love that is bound to us. And likely, as David was writing out these words, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, he was thinking back to some of his ancestors who had been rescued by God from slavery in Egypt through these plagues that God sent on the land. And, and it doesn't take very long until the, the people of God, they're out of Egypt, doesn't take very long at all. And they start worshiping someone other than the true God, actually something other than the true God. God, God had made the Egyptians, you know, uh, just bless the Israelites. As the Israelites were leaving, the Egyptians gave them all their gold and everything. They were just giving this stuff to them. And, and when they get out in the wilderness, the, the Israelites, instead of worshiping God, they get all that gold together and they make a golden calf and start to worship it. That was the same kind of worship that the Egyptians were doing in their land, worshiping a calf. And so the people worshiped this piece of gold that they made? How smart is that? They prayed to this golden calf. Oh, it had ears, but they were made of gold. They couldn't hear anything. It had eyes, but they were gold. They didn't see anything. It had a mouth, but it wasn't moving. It had feet, but It wasn't going anywhere. And God says to them, in spite of my justice, I'm bound to you. For us today, maybe what we could do is we could think about Jesus as he's just getting, you know, getting crucified there. The people, they beat him, they whipped him, they mocked him. He was brutalized physically, mentally, emotionally, Spiritually, they're nailing him, literally nailing him to the cross. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He was bound to them. That's unfailing love. You know what? That's the exact kind of love that God has for you. Unfailing love. I'm bound to you, love. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So in effect, this is, this is what was going on. God, the Father, comes and, and talks with Jesus. He says, Jesus, as you know, throughout eternity, I've told people all the time, Love me and obey me, and I'll never forsake you. You'll be mine. Jesus, God says, I am going to tell you something that I've never said before, and I'll never say again. 
Jesus, even though you have always loved me, you have always obeyed me every minute of every second of every day, even though you've always done that, Jesus, I'm going to abandon you so that I can be bound to them. And so as we're listening in, what God is saying is, Jesus, I'm going to abandon you. Listening in now. So God says, so that I can be bound to you. And God the Father says, Jesus, are you okay with that? You good with that? And Jesus says, yes. That's unfailing love. That's the even though kind of love. That's God being bound to you. That's the love he has for you. You see, in spite of our transgressions, our iniquities, our sins, God still loves us. Keep in mind, God never said when we transgress, commit iniquities or sin, he never says, oh, it's okay. He never says, oh, it doesn't matter. But he says, even though I'm still bound to you, you'll never leave us or forsake us. See, while there there may be no human hope for our cure, there's divine hope, and that's far, far better. A reformer about 500 years ago in the, the church reformation said this, guy's named Martin Luther. He says, when Satan tells me I'm a sinner, it comforts me because that is who Jesus came to save. We sin because we're sinners. God forgives because he's a forgiver. So what is confession really all about? It's it's about being honest about ourselves and it's about being honest about who God is. And when we're honest about who we are and we're honest about who God is, you know what happens? We stop promising God that we're going to be better. We stop comparing our lives to other people. We stop bargaining with God. And we simply melt in his unfailing love. David says, I can't do it, but God, you can And so God, create in me a pure heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. See, when when you see that Jesus was abandoned by God because God would rather abandon Jesus than you. 
you begin to see how cherished you are and how valuable you are to God. And when you see that, in spite of your transgressions, your iniquities and sins, you will not hate yourself, but you will hate your sin and love God. And that's when sin will start to lose its grip on you. Hmm? Evidence that we've got this confession thing down or that we're doing it right, that, that we confess who we are, who we really are, and who God really is. Evidence of that is that when we are doing good and we're helping other people and we're helping them have joyful lives, we realize that that's God actually working in us and living in us and working through us. Evidence that we've got this confession thing down where we confess who we are and who God really is, is that we love other people without any strings attached whatsoever. You know, just like God loves us. Evidence that, that we're doing confession right is that we forgive other people even though just like God forgives us. Evidence that we're getting this confession thing right is, is that we're honest about ourselves, we're honest about God to ourselves, and we're honest about God to other people. This is what David says. He says, then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. So what's confession all about? It's about being honest about ourselves. It's about being honest about God to ourselves. And it's about confessing who God is in word and action to the people all the people of our world. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray, create in us a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Don't cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain us. We pray this, trusting in your unfailing love. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.